0: Great match today. I just wanted to ask what your thoughts are on the positive test results we've had on tour, including at the Roland Garros qualifying tournament just now.
1: What happened at the Adria Tour? Happened. And what happened with the Benoit Pair? Happened. And what happened at the Roland Garros? Happened. And here we are. We are in Rome.
0: Uh sorry, could you repeat that?
1: Why? What happened?
0: Hello everyone and welcome to Hold On To Your Racket, the podcast for tweens, teens, and other young tennis fans. We're your hosts Shravya
1: and Josefina.
0: Josefina and I are so excited to be creating this podcast and sharing our love for tennis with you all.
1: Shravya and I are two high school gals and tennis fanatics united together by our on-the-court and off-the-court companionship.
0: And we're the young female voices in modern-day tennis you've been looking for. So we hope you enjoy this episode and stay tuned for more.
1: Welcome to this episode of Hold On To Your Racket. Today is September 21st and the Italian Open wrapped up today with Halep and Djokovic taking the singles titles. Horacio Zeballos and Marcel Granollers took the men's doubles trophy and Barbara Strejtseva and Shay Su-wei captured the women's doubles crown. Before we go into talking about tennis though, let's discuss some hot headlines
0: right so our first hot headline of today is that the international tennis hall of fame has announced the seven uh induction nominees for 2021 so there are two nominees in the contributor category and one of them is the original nine so this is the first ever group to be nominated the tennis hall of fame hasn't ever done that before and the original nine were obviously the nine women the tennis trailblazers who fought for equal pay and helped create the virginia slim circuit including billie jean king and rosie casals so they are the first group to ever be nominated for induction into the hall of fame so that is pretty cool along with all the work that they did for tennis and for sports in general the second nominee in the contributor category is dennis vandermeer he is a famous coach um, and he developed the professional tennis registry, also known as PTR, and this is used for coaching certifications now. So he standardized that whole process and is lauded in the tennis community as a coaching legend.
1: The remaining c- nominees are all players. So the first is Leighton Hewitt. I'm sure you've heard that name. He's the youngest male world number one. He was number one at 20 years old. He's the 2001 U.S. Open champ and the 2002 Wimbledon champion. The next one is Lisa Raymond. She's the WTA doubles star. She's American and she's won 11 major titles with both doubles and mixed doubles combined. Juan Carlos Ferrero from Spain is the for- former world number one and to- 2003 Roland Garros <laughs> champ. The next one is Jonas Björkman from Sweden. He's a former doubles world number one, and he's won nine doubles majors. The very last one is Sergei Bruggera, who won the 1993 and 1994 French Open.
0: Right, so we have two nominees in the contributor category and five in the player category. So the way that voting and induction works is that out of these seven nominees, there is no minimum or maximum number that can be inducted. And basically, the voting process involves the Hall of Fame official voting group and a fan vote. So fan voting takes place from October 1st to October 25th. You can do it online. I've done it before. It's kind of fun. Um, But it only applies to the player category. So the player or the person that candidate with the most fan votes gets an additional three percentage points, and second and third place get two and one extra bonus percentage points, respectively. And then the official voting group votes on the candidates. And the official voting group consists of famous tennis journalists and other notable figures in the tennis world. And the candidate is inducted if they have a 75% or higher vote in their favor. So if it's a player in the player category, that uh, percentage vote is both any bonus points they get from the fan voting result, but also just the percentage of votes from the Hall of Fame official voting group. Um, inductees to the Hall of Fame will be announced in early 2021, and the ceremony is scheduled to be held in July at the Na- International Tennis Hall of Fame in Newport, Rhode Island. All right, let's move on to some more timely news about the upcoming Grand Slam, Josephina.
1: Yeah, so apparently at Roland Garros, five players have been forced out of the qualifying draw due to positive coronavirus tests. The French Tennis Federation's comment on this was, the Roland Garros tournament directors can, f- can confirm that two players competing in the qualifying tournament have tested positive for COVID-19, and three others have confirmed close contact with a coach who has tested for COVID-19. These players have to isolate for seven days.
0: So one of these players is Damir Zumer. He's from Bosnia and Herzegovina. And he's one of the players who was forced to withdraw because his coach tested positive. However, he thinks it's a false positive because he is sure that his coach has antibodies. And he says the tournament was not able to give a second test. So this is like kind of a similar situation to some of the drama we were seeing at the U.S. Open, which is obviously bound to happen with like testing and how much we don't know about the virus and just tournament logistics. So it's obviously if if the if this is correct about the fact that the coach does have antibodies it's obviously unfortunate that they couldn't provide a second test um and maybe that was something not as spelled out in the guidelines i personally haven't looked at the guidelines in as much detail so i don't know um but i think we can agree similar to the what we were discussing with the u.s open stuff with the benoit pair 11 um safety is a priority obviously But what's more concerning is the fact, in my opinion, that Roland Garros is still planning on having 5,000 fans on site per day, even with, like, masks and distancing and stuff. I saw, um, you know, people still do have concerns about that because you're in a closed stadium if it's raining, if there's a rain delay, you can have, people will be congregating in the same area. And coronavirus cases in France are only continuing to increase. So by no means are we epidemiologists, but maybe bringing thousands of fans on site could work out safely or maybe it could actually be an impediment to the success of the tournament
1: the italian open has come to an end yes that's right the tournament that has been covering all the latest tennis headlines and simona, simona halep
0: <laughs> simona halep
1: yes simona halep is the winner Simona Haupt has recently proved that she's still the best women's clay quarter at the moment, and she is the number one contender for Roland Garros, meaning she is the favorite of the tournament. (laughs) She had a very tough and very high-quality semifinal match versus Muguruza, but in general, she has a 20-2 win-loss record in 2020, and including the fact that she's completely undefeated on clay this year. Her latest loss in Australian Open is the Australian Open semifinal, and she has been undefeated since. And actually, coincidentally, that Australian Open semifinal was against Muguruza. So she has won Dubai, Prague, and now Rome. So we hope to see what she can do in Roland Garros.
0: Yeah, it just goes to show you that she lost to Muguruza in in the Australian Open, which is obviously hard courts. But then has beaten her every time they've played on a clay court. Although uh, the match, the women's match, um, the final in Rome was actually, probably didn't go the way that either of the finalists wanted their match to go. Um, Pliskova retired. Um, she got bageled in the first set. Her movement was off, her serve was off. Um, but I mean, we're hoping that she has a speedy recovery prior to Roland Garros. I mean, it's obviously hard when All of a sudden, tennis restarts, and you have a Premier 5, a Major, a Premier 5, and a Major, like all within the span of a month or a little over a month. So that's obviously tough, um, but again, we hope that she recovers. She said in a statement after her match, I wanted to try, I wanted to fight, but unfortunately wasn't able to continue and be competitive. I was forced to retire from the match due to injury for the first time in my professional career, and it's hard to deal with it. So I think it's a smart decision for also Pliskova to retire so that she doesn't um, worsen the injury. So moving on to the ATP side, Novak Djokovic won the Rome Masters title. Um, He's been totally dominant this entire season, and he broke Nadal's record today with... Um, most Masters 1000 titles and he also surpassed Pete Sampras' second place spot for most weeks at number one with 287 weeks. So Djokovic is now superseded that place and is in second place and only Federer has more weeks than him. Um, So, again, as I said now, Djokovic has 36 Masters, 1,000 titles, and he did say, although, in his post-match interview, that he still isn't playing his best, or maybe as best as he wants to be, and still thinks he can kick it up a notch for Roland Garros, I think, especially with Nadal coming back, and, um, like, with Djokovic not having the same situation as the default, probably, in Roland Garros, he will have this pace tougher competition if he wants to get that title, But it seems like, based on what he's saying, his incident at the U.S. Open hasn't really affected him. He's gotten over it. Um, And with this title win, it's it's all up for grabs for Roland Garros between some of those big players.
1: Hats off to Djokovic for the win. But let's take a moment to appreciate the runner-up, Diego Schwartzman. He's been playing amazing this past Rome Open, or Italian Open, I guess. He beat Nadal, Rafael Nadal, the king of clay, and Denis Shapovalov. He moved up two spots to get to number thirteen in the world, and of course, this is a huge confidence boost going into Roland Garros because just uh, he's been playing amazing and he's been playing some world class tennis. He said he recently said that he it's been an incredible week. Very happy. Thank you to everyone in Argentina for the congratulations and all the support I've received these past days. Congratulations to Novak on the big tournament. Thank you, Rome.
0: So awesome that Schwartzman made that run. He was playing so well this entire tournament. So really happy for him. I saw, like, a funny thing on Tennis Channel, I think, where one commentator said that if you were to calculate um, skill per centimeter or skill per inch, For ATP players, technically, Diego Schwartzman is the most skilled tennis player in the (laughs) ATP Tour. I love that stat. (laughs) Um, um, But, I mean, it's amazing. He did... He knocked out two quality opponents. Well, more than two quality opponents. He played some great matches in the prior rounds, too, against Herkots, for example. But that is amazing. So, Diego obviously made that bump up to the rankings. Although, if he had won in his final match, he would have gotten into the top 10. But... We did have a new person enter the top 10. Josefina, let's talk about who that player is. That person is Canadian
1: Denis Shapovalov. Huge congrats to him. Obviously, breaking the top 10 is just insane, especially now he is the youngest person in the top 10, so that's also huge. Just, wow, top 10. Like, being one of the top 10 best tennis, male tennis players in the world, that's just insane to me. going into our double fault segment which is a segment we do here on hold on to your racket where we look past at some of the fails of the week so last week we did all aces and we gave tennis the tennis world a break but this this episode we're going full on so Shravia, take it away
0: yeah um this is something that Josephina and i are actually really mad about and did not you know end our italian open watching experience um in a positive light so the italian open decided to not pay the wta athletes the same as the atp athletes and they did some really sneaky stuff here the italian open has been known for not giving equal prize money for years um and it seemed like if you look at the champion prize money they are so close, the WTA champion gets 10 euros less, I find it petty that why didn't they just make it equal? So when you're looking at it, you're like, okay, I guess that's like better than a huge pay gap. At least it's just 10 euros, which is absurd that that is our bar, but that's what you see at first glance. But if you go back to the earlier rounds up until the finalists, you can see that the prize money distribution is very messed up. So, Josefina, why don't you highlight for us the absurd differences in prize money for the ATP players and WTA players throughout the tournament?
1: Yeah, just to give you a little picture in your mind, the first round ATP winner gets 21,190 euros. In comparison, the WTA winner gets only 9,000. In the second round, the ATP gets 37,490 euros, and WTA gets 13,745. And then moving on to the third round, we still see a huge difference with the ATP winning 61,000 and WTA winning only 9,355. 19,000. 19,000, yeah, but still, huge difference. Exactly.
0: Then, if we go into our deeper rounds, we still see the same issue. The ATP quarter finalist gets 75,000 euros. The WTA quarter finalist gets 37,910 euros. Then the ATP semifinalist gets 100,000 euros. WTA semifinalist gets 80,000 euros. Both the ATP and WTA finalists get 150,000 euros. And for the ATP champion, he wins 205,200 euros, and the WTA champion wins 205,190 euros. So, I guess what Josephine and I, the reason we included this is, first of all, if you're a tennis fan and you see these numbers and you're okay with them, that's pretty telling about the kind of tennis fan or you are and the lack of respect you have for athletes, um, especially female athletes. But I guess one thing is that the two of us always... like As two girls who play tennis, we obviously always operate... Or not obviously, well, at least this is for me. I operated under the assumption that tennis would be a smart enough sport. It's so international. It's so well-reputed that it would give its female athletes equal pay and then upon finding so starkly with the numbers that they don't it's really disappointing um and you know we can get into the whole best of three best of five sets debate later that's actually something josephina and i do want to talk about on our podcast but if you're looking at this tournament it's a masters 1000 Premier five they both play best of three sets, so that argument has no place in here, regardless of what you may think about it.
1: And just imagine what sort of message this gives to young female players going into the professional tennis world. Just as if in your face, we're going to give you less just because of who you are. You're welcome. Take it or leave it.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And even the Italian Open invited those two girls who were playing on the roofs in Italy during quarant- quarantine. Yeah, the ones that went viral um, and then exactly, You them. probably saw them on um, Instagram or Twitter or something. Don't invite those girls if you're sending the message that once those girls turn pro, if they choose to, your tournament will not be paying them the same amount of money. Do you know what I mean?
1: Of course like, I know what you mean,
0: yeah. It's just incredibly stupid, and this isn't the first time we've seen this. We saw this at the Western and Southern Open, too, with the unequal prize money.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's obviously a huge problem, especially considering that the Grand Slams have it down, that they have equal prize money, yet the eight, the Masters 1000s and Premier 5 tournaments have unequal prize money, yet they play the same amount of tennis, just something that's so confusing and disappointing
0: to me yeah josefina and i at least on a personal note we totally believe that in grand slams um there should also be equal prize money but again that's something we do want to talk about in a later episode but just looking at this issue itself the fact that i like at least for me the fact that this doesn't get talked about more is disappointing and the fact that i would expect at least that the wta would look at this and be like hey you can't give our athletes less money but I I just feel like they you know I don't understand why no one's saying anything about it or maybe people are and we're just not hearing it maybe people are just maybe just female athletes are tired of it which I also understand um but it's it's disappointing Thank you so much for joining us, and that is game, set, and match for today.
1: If you liked this episode, please let us know and stay tuned for more. We'll be providing you all the coverage of the French Open, upcoming tournaments, and updates on all the T on Tour.
0: Email us at holdontoyourracket at gmail.com for any questions, and leave a rating on whatever platform you're listening on.
1: Hold On To Your Racket is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts.
0: Follow us on social media at Hold On To Your Racket on Instagram and at HOTYR underscore tennis pod on Twitter. Our next episode will be released in a few days where we will preview the French Open and recap any action from Hamburg and Strasbourg. So stay tuned for that.
1: And remember, my name is Josephina.
0: And my name is Shravia.
1: That is, if you enjoyed this episode, if you didn't like it, please tell your friends my name is Tom and Shraffy's name is Bob. (laughs) See you next time.